Jesus, we just turn our attention to you this morning. We thank you that we're never alone. Because you promise that you're always with us. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you to meet with us this morning. To just commune with us. Thank you that you're here. if you want to grab whatever you're using for your communion uh, we're going to take communion together I've got some lovely hibiscus tea and a, uh, a piece of matzah which is traditionally used for Passover this one's about two years old so hopefully this will be okay just grab whatever you have right now we're just going to read together and then we're going to take communion together I'm going to be reading out of Luke 22:14. It says, When Jesus arrived at the upper room, he took his place at the table along with all the apostles. And then he told them, I have longed with passion and desire to eat this Passover lamb with you before I endure my suffering. I promise you that the next time we eat this, we'll be together in the banquet of God's kingdom realm. I just want us to take a few minutes and just reflect this morning on, as we look towards Easter, on the, the, the journey that Jesus made. Giving up heaven and coming to earth, and then choosing to be the lamb that was to cover us, to protect us from death. But not just to cover us so that our sins would be forgiven, but actually to invite us into the family as sons and daughters. That's what we're celebrating this morning as we take communion, that we actually have communion in the family of God. That we actually have access to all that He has. Everything that, is, that it means to be a, a son or daughter of the King. And it's just incredible. So just take a moment and just turn your attention to Jesus and just give Him thanks this morning. Thank Him for the invitation that He's extended to you. That He chose to be the Passover lamb that would be killed so that we could be saved from death. You know, this wasn't a, a feast that was a new thing for His followers. They had celebrated this every year of their lives. But in this context, Jesus was, was saying, I am the fulfillment of the Passover. Because of me, because of what I'm about to do, you will be passed over from death. Death will pass over you. Because of my covering. That's what it means to be in communion with Jesus. Then it says, then Jesus raised a cup and gave thanks to God and said to them, Take this and pass it on to one another and drink. I promise you that the next time we drink this wine, we will be together in the feast of God's kingdom realm. 
And then he lifted up a loaf and after praying a prayer of thanksgiving to God, he gave each of his apostles a piece of bread. Saying, this loaf is my body, which is now being offered to you. Always eat it to remember me. So this morning, wherever you are, just, just take uh, whatever you're using as, as your symbol of the body of Jesus. And you can break it, and you can share it with those around you. But Jesus, we just thank you for your body. That was broken for us so that we could be covered, that we could be made whole, that we could be forgiven, that we could be washed white as snow. We just thank you for your body. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you that you took our punishment upon yourself. So that by your stripes we could be healed. take the bread together. says after supper was over he lifted up the cup again and he said this cup is my blood of the new covenant what's interesting is that part of the Passover meal there's a number of cups of wine and the final one is the cup of redemption and so Jesus lifts up that cup and he says this is my blood that marks a new covenant I make with you and it will be poured out soon for all of you. So Jesus, we just thank you this morning. We never want to forget, we never want to take for granted your blood that you poured out. As an offering, just like the lamb that was killed at Passover, whose blood was spread on the doorposts, your blood covers us. So that the spirit of death, the spirit of fear, pass over. And so we just thank you, we give you praise, and give you all the honor and all the glory this morning. Drink the cup together. You know, this morning as we're just taking communion, as I said earlier, when we take communion, it's about communing with God and, and everything that He has in His kingdom. We're able to receive. And I just feel this morning like there's some of you who are, who are watching, who you're dealing with something, you've got some kind of sickness in your body. Jesus wants to heal that right now. He's not limited by, 
by the fact that, that we're doing this uh, over technology, that we're distant. Because the Holy Spirit is in the room with you right now. So I want to invite you just, if you're, with, if you're on your own, just lay your hand on whatever the sickness is, wherever your pain is. If you're with your family, ask them to come and just uh, gather around whoever it is in the room that's sick. and Lay your hands on them right now. I'm going to pray over you. And we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit's going to touch you. And, and we want to hear how He touches you this morning. So Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're in the room right now. And we just welcome you to touch each person. With the fire and the power of your Holy Spirit. We command this sickness to leave in Jesus' name. We command all pain to get out in Jesus' name. We stand against it because of the blood of Jesus. Because it's part of our inheritance. So we just stand against this sickness right now in Jesus' name. We command it to leave. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you just take a moment, just test it out. If, you're, if you've been having pain, test it out. See where your pain level's at. I believe some of you this morning, right now, are going to experience complete healing. Like I said, we want to hear about, we want to hear your testimonies. Because it's about celebrating who Jesus is. So let us know, if it's 50% better, those of you who are there, pray again. Declare complete and total healing in Jesus' name. Because He's already paid for it. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for the healing you've already done. We thank you for the joints that are being loosened. We thank you for the cancers that's dissolving. For the nerve pain. For the things that the doctors said would never be healed. They would be chronic illnesses. We, we thank you that you're healing them right now in Jesus' name. We look ahead to Easter. Uh, we're actually going to be starting a new series this morning called Resurrection, The Life Your Life Could Look Like. And with everything that's going on around us and in our community right now, I think it brings another level of relevancy to the Easter story. That we actually can look at the resurrection and, and recognize, first of all, that the resurrection is central to our lives as believers. It's not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago. But it's something that is central to our everyday. And so we're going to be looking at some of the stories of uh, people encountering Jesus, the resurrected Christ. But this morning we're actually going to be starting, because it's Palm Sunday, we're going to be starting with the triumphal entry and Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And you know, one of the things is that we as humans, we love to think of ourselves uh, quite highly. And... We, we maybe have this, uh, perhaps a slight God complex. I'm not saying you personally, I'm just saying us as, as humans, as humanity. And there's nothing like uh, pressure and, and trials for us to, to, to help us recognize our own human frailty. 
Because it's in those moments that we recognize that, that actually what we have to bring to the table as humans doesn't actually bring solutions in every situation. But there's actually situations that we face where we need divine solutions. We need divine uh, interference. We need God to show up in the moment. We need a Messiah. We need a Savior. And it's actually in those moments that we recognize our need for deliverance. But this morning, I want to I look at what that looks like. Where we find deliverance. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes when, we, when we want somebody to deliver us or to help us, when we want uh, somebody to come into our lives and, and make things better, we want them to come, but we want them to do it the way we want them to. Uh, we have our own ideas of how they should act or what they should say. I, I come across this quite often, and as a parent, it's something that, that anyone who's a parent, you, you'll, or has been a parent, you'll know that uh, this is true, that when your kids come to you and they say, hey, I need help, right? have you ever had them come to you and be like, hey, I need help, and you're like, okay, great, here, let me help you, and they're like, no, 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 that doesn't work, and you know, you're thinking, well, <laughs> you haven't even tried it yet, how do you know, right, because they have, a, they have a, an idea in their mind of the kind of help they want. And essentially, they want you to do it for them. Right? They, they want you to solve the problem. Uh, for example, with Tay, our, our uh, daughter, there was one day where she, she was wanting to go outside and play with her brothers, but we said, you know, you need to put your socks on first. And it's such a minor thing. Uh, but she was having trouble with it. And she's like, hey, can you help me? I, like, she was getting frustrated. And so I was like, yeah, of course, I'll help you. Grab your sock here and here and, and pull it this way. And she got more upset. No, no, you do it. I said, no, I'm happy to help you. But if you'd like my help, this is how it's going to look. And she threw herself down on the floor and huffed and puffed. And I know you didn't think our kids do those kind of things, but they do. And so I said, okay, no problem. Uh, I'd be happy to help you when you're ready to have help. And so she came back to me and she was like, okay, I'd like help. I said, okay, put your hand here and here and pull it this way. She did, and then I said, okay, now put your hand on this side and pull it this way. And eventually she got her socks on. And again, it's such a minor thing, but it illustrates a point of we as humans, this is often how we look for a savior. We look for somebody that is going to do it the way we want it done. In fact, they're probably just going to do it for us. They're going to come in and they're going to, um, you know, do all the work, but then we'll probably get all the credit, right? Because... That would, that would just be a good thing to do. But you see, this is, this is the thing, is the king that we want isn't always the king that we need. When we're facing trials and, and pressures, we're looking for a certain kind of savior. We want him to look like this or act like this or, or deliver us in exactly this way. But that's not necessarily what we need in that situation. We're going to be reading this morning from Luke chapter 19. We're going to be looking at the story of Jesus' triumphal entry. This takes place a week before uh, his crucifixion. We're going to be starting at verse 28 of Luke chapter 19. 
You see, just to set the stage for this a little bit, uh, in first century Israel, the Jewish people were, had been conquered by the Romans. They had uh, hundreds and thousands, even thousands of years of prophetic insight that the Messiah would come, that he would deliver them, um, that he would set them free with, with very specifics, of, uh, very, very clear specifications of what the Messiah would do and what he would look like. And so the, the Jewish people had been waiting, and, and Jesus shows up on the scene, and all of a sudden they're looking at him and thinking, could this be the Messiah? He's doing miracles. He's healing the sick. He's delivering and, and setting people free. He's, in, in fact, if you read through John, you actually see that Jesus talks about himself as the Messiah. And so in this passage, what you'll notice is actually that, that the people recognized Jesus as the Messiah when he entered into Jerusalem. So we're going to pick it up at verse 28 of Luke chapter 19. It says, after saying all of this, Jesus headed straight for Jerusalem. When he arrived at the stables of Anania, or Ania, could also be Beth Anya, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, When you enter the next village, you will find tethered there a donkey's young colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. And if anyone stops you and asks, What are you doing? Just tell them this, It is needed for the Lord of all. The two who were sent entered the village and found the colt exactly like Jesus had said. And while they were untying the colt, the owner approached them and asked, What are you doing? And the disciples replied, We need this donkey for the Lord of all. And they brought the colt to Jesus. And then they placed their prayer shawls on its back and Jesus rode it as he descended the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem. And as he rode along, people spontaneously threw their prayer shawls on the path in front of him like a carpet. As soon as he got to the bottom of the Mount of Olives, the crowd of his followers shouted with a loud outburst of ecstatic joy over all the mighty wonders of power they had witnessed. They shouted over and over again, Highest praise to God for the one who comes as King in the name of the Lord. Heaven's peace and glory from the highest realms now comes to us. You see, the Jewish people recognize Jesus as the Messiah. In Zechariah 9 9, it says that their king, their Messiah would come, their king would come riding on the colt of a donkey. They saw this and they recognized this is the one that we've been waiting for. And so they recognized him as Messiah and they celebrated and praised him as Messiah. But what's so interesting is that less than a week later, this same crowd who had been shouting highest praises to the one sent by the Lord, Hosanna in the highest, were shouting crucify him, crucify him. The same ones who had thrown down their coats before him, their, their prayer shawls, and who had laid down palm branches, which was a sign of victory that they would put before a king. Oh, less than a week later, they were spitting on him and cursing him. 
You see, they recognized Jesus as Messiah. But he wasn't necessarily the Messiah that they thought they wanted. He came in and they thought, this is great. We are now going to conquer the Romans. He's going to expand our borders. We're going to have the greatest, most powerful empire in all the world. And yet Jesus came not on a war horse, but he entered Jerusalem in humility on the colt of a donkey. You see, Jesus is king. And he came in as king, but he is so humble. But his humility doesn't, doesn't take away from his kingship. Spurgeon says it this way, he says, like a king, he takes possession of his palace. See, Jesus came into Jerusalem and, and the very next passage upon him coming in is him clearing the temple. He comes in with authority. But all of a sudden, they didn't like this king who they had just welcomed in with praise. Because he wasn't acting the way they, they thought he should. He was supposed to go after the Roman garrison, not the temple. He was supposed to expand the kingdom of Israel. But maybe, just maybe, this Messiah had a much greater purpose. Maybe there was something more to what his plan was in all of this than what they recognized. In John chapter 12, when John uh, recounts this story, John chapter 12 Verse 29. Audible voice of God startled the crowd. Standing nearby, some thought it was only thunder, yet others said an angel just spoke to him. And then Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours to help you believe. From this moment on, everything in the world is about to change. For the ruler of this dark world will be overthrown. And I will do this when I am lifted up off the ground and when I draw the hearts of people to gather them to me. He said, this is to, he said this to indicate the way that he would die by being lifted up on the cross. You see, Jesus didn't just come to be welcomed in as king. He actually came to be king. But it wasn't the way that they thought it was going to look. He came not to conquer the Romans, but to destroy the works of the devil. That he was actually going to usher in a new age. An age of hope. An age, an age of sonship. But all they were looking for was deliverance from the problem right in front of them. People, things would never be the same. But people were unaware just how different they would be. I've heard some people talking about the, the current cultural situation with, with COVID-19 and the economy. And, and one of the things that I've heard people, um, other pastors or, or speakers talking about is this idea that, that we are going to come out of this and the world is going to be a different place. We're not going to come out into the same world 
that we went in as, or that we went in with. And I think that maybe there's something that God is doing right now. That we think, well, we need to be delivered from this specific situation. Jesus, you need to do it like this. It needs to look like this. And yet He has something much bigger in mind. If we continue in Luke, Luke 19.39, it says, Some Jewish religious leaders who stood off from the procession said to Jesus, Teacher, you must order your followers at once to stop saying these things. And Jesus responded, Listen to me. If my followers were silenced, the very stones would break forth with praise. Why is it that that Jesus says that? Why does he say that the rocks would cry out if, if his followers were silenced in praise? You see, Jesus entered Jerusalem not to liberate it from the Romans, but to to liberate the world from the works of the devil. To set people free. To set captives free. To set all of creation free. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, there was a curse that came over the entire world. All of creation was subjected to the curse. And in that moment, Jesus was about to do what had never been done. He was about to break the curse and to set the world free. And there had to be some kind of praise celebration. And so if the people, uh, if his followers had been silenced in that moment, Creation would have shouted for joy because they saw, because creation saw what was about to take place and recognized that there needed to be praise brought to the king. Because Jesus had a greater purpose and a greater deliverance planned than just for one nation or one city. Yes, he could have flexed his muscles against kings. If he wanted to, he could have conquered all the powers of the earth. If he wanted to, he could have expanded the kingdom of Israel. He could have grown in wealth and power. But he had a greater mission. Instead, he hung on a cross, waging an even greater war for a greater freedom bringing a more important peace. Not a peace uh, for a nation to rule, but peace between God and man. See, the stones would have cried out in praise because they were about to be redeemed from the curse. The curse that separated God from man, that, that threw creation into chaos. That invites you and I that, that, that caused you and I to be separate from God. Jesus was about to bring a peace that would restore us as sons and daughters. To deal with the corruption in our hearts so that we could boldly walk into relationship with the Father. And Luke continues, he says, When Jesus caught sight of the city, he burst into tears with uncontrollable weeping over Jerusalem. Saying, if only you could recognize that this day peace is within your reach. But you cannot see it. 
I want to encourage you today that, that peace is within your reach. Jesus is standing right in front of you this morning, extending His hand. The Prince of Peace, the King set to rule. If only you recognize this day that peace is within your reach, but you cannot see it. For the day is soon coming when your enemies will surround you, pressing you on every side and laying siege to you. They will crush you to pieces and your children too. And when they leave, your city will be totally destroyed since you would not recognize God's day of visitation. Your day of devastation is coming. See, this wasn't Jesus saying His will for the city. He was weeping over the city. That here they were celebrating the entry of the king. And yet within a few short days, they would be rejecting Him. Oh, how close this peace was to their grasp. How close they were to discovering real, lasting peace. The Prince of Peace was entering through the gates of the city. People were cheering for Him, recognizing Him as Messiah. And He was coming in to take possession. To destroy the works of the devil. But those in the city of peace... After all, that's what Jerusalem means. Didn't know what made for peace. They didn't recognize the king of peace entering the gates of the city. You see, the person of Jesus demands a response. He's standing before you making an invitation. Some people would have you believe that, that Jesus never called himself Messiah, he never called himself God, and yet we see in this passage that, that he was recognized by the people as Messiah. And as you read through the book of John, you recognize that Jesus multiple times says, I am the Son of God. He, he very clearly identifies himself. And the person of Jesus requires a response. He declares himself king and Messiah, son of God. And if he's not, then, then he's a, a liar. And in fact, he should be crucified for saying he's the son of God when he's not. But if he is actually who he says, then that requires a different response from us altogether. See, how often is it that we welcome Jesus into our lives like the crowd on the, triumph, the day of triumphal entry? Maybe you welcome Jesus because you heard that, that He had peace or that He was full of love. Maybe it was because your friends were all doing it as a teenager. Maybe it was because you needed someone to deliver you or set you free. Maybe it was because you were afraid of hell. Whatever the reason... It's not to say that those aren't good reasons or that, that you should have a different reason. But my question for you this morning is, what do you do next? Because we had crowds of people that were welcoming Jesus into the city. But a few short days later, they were rejecting Him. 
we love to welcome Jesus in until he starts clearing our temples. We love to have the celebration of the king until he starts acting different than what we think he should be doing. Maybe for you that has meant that you've uh, welcomed Jesus into your life. But then he asked you to give something up or to do something to serve someone that you didn't want to serve. And so you kind of gave him the, the push to the back seat. Jumping back to John chapter 12. This is what it says. It's, now there were a number of foreigners from among the nations who were worshippers at the feast. And they went to Philip who came from the village of Bethsaida in Galilee. And they asked him, would you take us to see Jesus? We want to see him. So Philip went to find Andrew and then they both went to inform Jesus. And he replied to them, Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat until it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat. All because one grain died. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from the world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me as my disciple, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. Even though I am torn within and my soul is in turmoil, I will not ask the Father to rescue me from this hour of trial. For I have come to fulfill my purpose, to offer myself to God, so, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly a booming voice was heard from the sky. I am glorified. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it through you again. You see, we love to have Jesus come in as the one who is hope-filled and encouraging and full of love, because that's who he is. In this, same, in this story, it wasn't Jesus who changed. He didn't come in as one person who was humble and kind and then start flipping tables. He was the same all the way through. And so we love to, to welcome Jesus in. But then he starts talking about dying to yourself. Sacrificing and serving others. That actually we can't live and choose comfort and follow after him. Right? And that gets us, we're like, oh, Jesus, I wish you hadn't said that. Right? You ever thought that when you read scripture? It's like, oh, Jesus, how, did you, how could you say that? We love the Jesus riding on a donkey. But then he comes in and he starts flipping over tables in our lives. Just like the crowd, they wanted Jesus who was going to make them comfortable, who was going to make them rich, wealthy nation with lots of power. Who's going to deliver them from their oppressors? But they weren't so keen on the Jesus who invited them to give up their life. To follow Him. How often is that not the case for so us? We celebrate Jesus as King. But then we don't choose to treat Him as King in our lives. We celebrate Him for His love and His goodness. But then we don't choose to surrender ourselves 
to serving Him, to giving Him the honor of a king in our lives. Reading again in John, it says, A person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from this world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. So how do we respond to the Messiah? How do we respond to Jesus? Do we celebrate him as king on Sunday? But then when it comes to the day of sacrifice, we shall crucify him. Like I said, when the king comes in, there has to be a death. It's either, it's either us laying down our lives, dying to ourselves, or we re-crucify Christ. So much of why we want to deliver is for our own selfish purposes. We want to feel good. We want to be set free. We want power. We want um, freedom. But what we don't realize is all of those things come as we lay our lives down at the, feet, at the feet of the King. That we will actually find true life and enjoy it forever because we are abandoning ourselves to Him. How are we today choosing to allow Jesus not just to enter, but to live as King in our lives? With evidence of Him being King through the way we live. Today, right now, He is waiting for you to choose Him. To welcome Him in. Whatever your reason. Maybe you're, you're wrestling with fear right now and you just want peace. Maybe you're feeling discouraged and you just need hope. Maybe you're feeling lonely and you just need Him to love you. Whatever your reason, celebrate Him, praise Him, and welcome Him in. But don't change your tone when He starts turning over tables. Let's celebrate Him just as much and recognize Him for who He is in those moments just as much as we do when He encounters us with His peace and His hope. In John chapter 12, verse 37, it says, Even with the overwhelming evidence of all the many signs and wonders that Jesus had performed in front of them, His critics still refused to believe. In light of everything they saw, the people of Jerusalem still could not get over their own comfort. Their own understanding of what the Savior should look like. And a little bit later it says, for, in verse 43, it says, For they loved the glory that men could give them rather than the glory that came from God. I want to ask you this, what are you in love with? Are you in love with, with, with the real Jesus? With the man who called himself Son of God and Messiah? Will you praise him on Sunday? And will you still stand by him on Thursday? It means going from, I am the king and the Lord of my life, to Jesus, you are the king and you are on the throne. Come and take possession of your palace. Come and take possession. Have it all. Are we aligning ourselves with Him, where He is actually the one in charge? Are we laying down our lives as He's asked us to do, just like Christ dis displayed by riding on a donkey in humility?
Are we truly following as disciples? Or are we just celebrating and throwing down our cloaks? Just shouting, crucify him and spitting on him. This morning, wherever you are, I believe Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants to encounter you right now and he's extending his hand. He's saying, I want to be in your life. I want to set you free. I want to bring you love. I want to bring you hope. But I also want to be Lord of your life. After all, if we really take stock of where we're at, we need a deliverer. We're not doing such a great job of being Lord in our lives. And if that's you this morning, Jesus is standing right before you and he's saying, come to me. I want to meet with you. I want to bring those things into your life. Let me be Lord. And you can do that right now. You can accept that invitation. You can say, Jesus, I accept. Come into my life. Be Lord. Be King. Be the one in charge. Flip over whatever tables you need to flip. I repent. I turn away from my other way of living. I'm sorry for all the mistakes I've made, all the wrong choices I've made. Come and make this your home. And as you do that, He comes. And as as you do that, you will start to discover who He actually is. Not as the King you want Him to be, but as the king that you need. Because so often, the king that we want is not the king that we need. Let's pray together. This morning, if you'd like to Give your heart to Jesus if you'd like to make Him Lord in your life. I want to just invite you to pray with me. We're going to pray together. Jesus, come into my life. Make this your home and be Lord. I'm sorry for every time I've tried to rule for every mistake, every sin, every wrong choice. I just welcome you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, I want to pray over you as well. Just as we go, Jesus, I pray for each person that we would rise up as your church. That we wouldn't just celebrate you the way we think you should be, but that we would celebrate you for who you are. For the hope, for the deliverance that you have brought us in as sons and daughters.
And so I pray for each person that you would just awaken them to who you are, that they would experience you. As we move through this series on the resurrection, that, that we would just see you in a new light, in a new way. And in turn, that, that you would show us who we are in you. In Jesus' name.